The season of giving and doing a little more good around the world is upon us, and this week I'm bringing a guest on to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations, Days for Girls. Celeste Mergens, the founder and CEO of Days for Girls, shares with me her incredibly powerful story of being led by the Lord to start an organization to help women and young girls in developing countries with reusable supplies for menstruation. Days for Girls also teaches and educates people globally about their bodies, how to stay safe and avoid human trafficking, and become more empowered to stay in school, be leaders in their careers, and wait until their bodies are ready to bear children. The life-changing impact that Days for Girls is having around the world is absolutely astounding to me, with 1.5 million women now empowered to take their days back monthly when many of them used to have to stay home with no other solution during those five days of their cycle. They have a long way to go, though, with 50 million women around the world suffering from a lack of solution and education around this issue. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can get involved and help and even come to a service project with me next week if you're in the Salt Lake area. And if not, you can go to the show notes to find out how you can help from anywhere. One last thing. We are so, so grateful to everyone who leaves a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And I loved this review from Lacey, Lacey, Lacey this week entitled, Corinne is as real as it gets. She said, Corinne is so down to earth and I love that you can see who she is and what she cares about. That is way more important and way deeper than just good deals. She's amazing. So inspiring. Thanks so much, Lacey. And One more thing too, if you guys love this episode and are as inspired as I was by Celeste's story, I would love it if you just share a screenshot to your stories and tag me so that I know you saw the episode and listened to it and shared it with your friends. Thanks so much and I hope you love it as much as I do. Kate, you guys, today I have someone I'm so thrilled to interview because I love her organization so much. I love what they stand for. Her name is Celeste Mergens, and she is going to tell us all about Days for Girls. So Celeste, say hi. Hi. And Celeste, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're up to, and why Days for Girls is so important. Oh, I get the wonderful opportunity to be the founder and CEO of Days for Girls International. We give girls their days back by making sure they have access to menstrual care products and women's health education so that they can know how their health works and how their bodies work and no longer be in shame or stigmatized because of the feelings we have around the globe about menstruation. That's amazing. So tell me how you got involved in this? Where did this even begin? How did you get the idea to start Days for Girls? I technically didn't. I like to say that I'm the really good listener who pays attention, shows up and keeps working because (laughs) I've been working in Kenya for several years and I would go every six months and I would work on sustainable solutions there for communities. And I had never thought to ask this even once. And then one night I was pleading for a way to feed uh, some children who were stuck in a really bad situation over there. And I fell asleep still asking. I woke up at 2.30 in the morning with it going through my head. Have you asked what the girls are doing for feminine hygiene? And I Mm. literally went, (gasps) because I'd never asked. And, And it's significant to me. In our family, we call menstrual care products turbos, as in, honey, if you're at the store, would you pick up some turbos for me? (laughs) And my husband is a brave and wonderful man. So he was always willing. And and it wasn't, have you asked what the girls are doing for turbos? It wasn't, it wasn't even, hmm, what are they doing? It was, have you asked? And, And the answer was nothing. They'd wait in their room 
on a piece of cardboard for days. Oh my gosh. Wow. So how did you guys start doing something about that? How did the, where did the beginning start? What did that look like? So my first idea was disposable pads, single use pads, because, you know, that's what I was familiar with. But I knew if I sent money for a disposable pad and they couldn't, they needed food, they'd use that money for food and rightly so. Right. So we needed something I could count on month after month. And the first washable pad we made was a really awful design. I could say that because I designed them and they were, (laughs) they looked like a pad. They were white and both bad ideas if you have stigma about this. And so we listened. The first 500 girls that we brought them for were so, so grateful as they almost always are. And, Mm -hmm. but these girls right afterwards said, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. I'm hoping that didn't mean what I thought it meant. I had to wait for 250 more girls to come through before I could confirm. And they told me they were being sexually exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. And that was... That was the moment Days for Girls was born. Wow. So how long ago was that, that you guys started this? That was 11 years ago, November 1st. Wow, that's awesome. And I know that you guys are, as you said before, an international company. I found out about Days for Girls when I was on a trip with doTERRA. I, we still are a little bit involved with doTERRA, not as heavily as we used to be, but I love that they introduced me to you guys as someone that they had vetted and really felt like you were doing very, very worthwhile work all over the world. So um, wonderful. And I got to, yeah, they're so awesome. And I got to just listen to a little bit of the education. I love that you guys, it's not just a handout. You don't just hand supplies to these younger girls, but you also educate them. So talk to me about what that process looks like. Oh, it's so amazing. You know, girls, before we come for pads, use cloth and corn husks and corn cobs and feathers and all sorts of things to try to make do. And so you'd think that was the biggest part of this. And yet the education is just as important. And just an Mm -hmm. hour and a half, they covered not only what a period is, so they're not afraid, but also how babies happen, how their body changes, what to expect, and touch on things like, you know, if they wait until after they're 18, they'll be more likely to have healthy baby and healthy mom. And if, and they talk about, self-defense and human trafficking and what to know to look out for. And in just an hour and a half, they have so much knowledge for themselves and their future families and their community and leave with so much confidence. It's phenomenal to me that something so simple could have such far-reaching impact for good. And and it truly does not. Education is a huge part of it. Yeah. So what ages are you educating these girls? Traditionally, about age eight and up. Okay. Because we're all girls, right? No matter what. I am and I have white hair now. Women of all ages and also boys. We have a men who know program because stigma doesn't really change until all of us have access to the education. So there's a program called Men Who Know for boys and men and then the Ambassador of Women's Health program, where the education is. Very cool. I didn't know that you guys had a men's program too, but going back to that age, that's crazy to me. I have a seven-year-old. She just turned seven, but 
it's hard for me to even imagine. Like, I mean, we've had some discussions with her about some of these things, but it's hard for me to picture her as a child, like having to worry about something like that, you know, just a basic need that she's never going to have to worry about in our home. But if she were to be born in another country, in another family, it's very likely. So what does this look like statistically as far as how many girls or women in the world are affected by not having access to the supplies that would allow them to function during that time of the month? So we know that there are approximately 500 million women of menstruating age, right? And we're estimating about 50 million of them need our help very much. Oh my gosh. Others, um, even here in the United States, what does a homeless woman do or incarcerated yeah. woman? And it's a lot of women that need this. We've reached 1.5 million women and girls, but we have a way to go. Yeah. Wow. 1.5 out of 50. That's a lot, a lot of ground still to cover. So what's the best way that people who just hear about this, how do you get people involved? Like, what do they do? What if some, if someone hears this and they're like, that sounds like a great organization. How do you get people in communities involved? Because I know you guys are really good at that within communities in the United States of people who find out about this and they care and they want to help. I think that's another beautiful part of what we get to do together. Uh, there are so many ways to be part of it. And when you hear about this, it's not only for me shocking when I first heard it, but also such good news that there's something you can do about it immediately. Yeah. So you can join a chapter or team that are volunteering to do this. They're on our website. We have about a thousand of them in 17 nations on five continents. You also have the option of uh, sharing about this on your social media, following us and signing up for a newsletter and hearing the latest. You can Find out if your work has a matching donation program or do a fundraiser for us, you know, which could include anything from birthdays to a special tea party to anything you would like to do to be able to share one of our films, which are beautiful and several of them award-winning by phenomenal people that shared their talents with us. You get the opportunity to, to also advocate. Many states have taxes on menstrual care products. and that's so silly because they don't have it on Viagra and they don't have it on arcade games, but they have it on something so important that is already very expensive. And so a lot of our teams and and volunteers and individuals are doing what they can to advocate that that changes. And there's just a lot of ways to be part of this. What I love about that is that there are so many things that are hard to change in this world, but this isn't one of them. And together, we really can't see the end of inequity from this point of view for this reason. We really can see a time where hopefully your daughter will go, no, mom, no one ever had to be scared that maybe they were dying or had a disease. They knew from very early and you'll say, no, Once upon a time, people were afraid to talk about this. I hope too that it's that way, but it is really sad to think about. So I want to talk about some of these tactical things that I understand now because I've had exposure to Days for Girls for a while. But one thing that I learned when I discovered your organization was that kind of the ramifications. So what does that look like for a girl who doesn't have access to menstrual products? Like, I know that one of the biggest things is school, right? 
So if they start getting their period, then typically they have to drop out of school. Is that right? It can be that. I can tell you that I have a friend named Alice who lives in Kenya. And the day that she had her first period, she was at school and she was slapped by her teacher because she was asked to come to the board. She didn't have anything to do. She didn't know what was happening. She was ashamed to get up. She was panicking and he thought she was trying to ignore his request. And she was a very good student he could usually count on. And so he slapped her. And then when he saw what it was, they, the classroom mocked her. And she was a brave one that felt like the risk of being mocked, which happened again and again, was less risk than having to drop out of school. So she braved it. But others mm-hmm. aren't willing to be shamed again and again. And, and others culturally, for example, in Nepal, in the Western part, you're untouchable when you're menstruating. So you're not even allowed to be in your home or on the pathway to the home, let alone in the classroom. So in places like that, you're, you're not just missing vital school days where you finally just give up because you just can't keep up. Um, and that's what results in dropping out. But you're also considered so untouchable that you can't even touch the plate that your family leaves with breadcrumbs and pushes to you. You have to wait till they let go so that you can pull it to you. Because if you touch the plate at the same time, they may get sick or have ill fortune. And they're so willing to protect their family that they will brave being in exposure of cold of Nepal to be away from them, to protect them. It's really phenomenal, but sometimes it's just they're uncomfortable, worrying that they'll stain, so they will only stand up. They can't sit down. They don't want to be with people out of fear that they will embarrass themselves and others. And so sometimes it's lack of confidence. Sometimes it's lack of access to education or they give up. It sometimes is complete isolation. And for some, it's just discomfort because they don't have something that will keep them healthy. And so it's many different things. And it all comes down to inability to talk about this and lacking the resources to get something they can count on month after month. And I heard once too, someone said at a Days for Girls thing that sometimes this means the girl is also missing meals, right? Because the meals are happening at school. For sure. No, this is absolutely true. And even like I shared with you for Nepal, that they are just getting breadcrumbs. Once a woman there said, you know, we were talking about what that's like as they discussed whether this was a practice they could shift in a new way. And she said, for five days, insects bite us. For five days, we are alone. For five days, we eat the crumbs from our family's tables. And for five days, no one cares. Wow, that's heartbreaking. So if someone in Nepal gets a hold of a Days for Girls packet, then how is that life-changing for them? I mean, are they then accepted into society? Is it something where then they can kind of control that situation and then it changes things for them? That's one of the best parts of this, that once training has happened in the education, the phenomenal women of Days for Girls Nepal, who, when donors like doTERRA make it possible to purchase these kits to get to the women way, way at the last mile, they're able to take them to them. And in their language, 
and from their people speak of, you know, what this really is. And we meet first with the leaders in the community and get their buy-in for this. And instead of making them wrong, we get to say, what if you kept your tradition, but you simply ritually cleanse this kit instead of Mm -hmm. isolating her? Then you wouldn't be doing things against the law. Fines wouldn't affect you. It would be you making a new decision. Would that work? And they agree and say it is a time for this to change. And so the entire community is receiving the education, learning that it's not a curse, that without periods, there'd be no people. And they get to have this experience where they make a new decision. And that's how it's happening. So this kit gives them a chance to practice it and tell their grandmothers and their mothers, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to school now, but when I get back, I will practice Chopadi again. And, and to be in their room safe instead of out in exposure. And all over the world, that education and the solution together is so powerful. This is another thing that I learned when I was exposed to Days for Girls that I thought of too. Why can't we just, like, tampons aren't that expensive. Like, you can buy cheap tampons, but that doesn't work for a lot of women, right, around the world. So can you talk a little bit about why that's actually not a great solution for a lot of people? So there's really great question. There are, of course, tampons and menstrual cups, which last up to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of cultures have cultural, religious, or personal aversion to inserting anything. So there's that whole thing. And then pads. Pads are about, you know, you can get ones that aren't that terrific, but they're a dollar for a pack. And that's at least as much of a day's income for a family. So imagine you have several daughters or even just one, and you're trying to keep things afloat. This is a deal killer many of them. They just can't afford it. And any family that is choosing between food and hygiene, they're going to choose choose food. food. Like we talked about that first school. But the other thing is that there's no place to dispose of them. Mm -hmm. So for instance, with the refugees and Days for Girls, volunteers have just rallied to and in an impossibly difficult and and transformative act have done reached 45 thousand refugees in five different locations around the world in just a few months. And it took heroic effort. And they were able to do that with delivering partner World Vision. But their efforts made all of these kits. And what's amazing about refugees is for some of them, there is such strong belief that you are really supposed to take care of your hygiene needs yourself with such mm-hmm. care that it is ungodly to and disrespectful in a way that we can't quite imagine to just dispose of this disposable pad by throwing it outside. So it's not just embarrassing, it's deeply shameful. And so mm-hmm. though thankfully some organizations are now delivering some single-use pads, these single-use pads are not only unreliable to receive, but also creating a problem culturally that's very difficult to overcome. And all over the world, this is an issue. So not only lack of ability to pay, not only the fact that they 
don't always work and they be they can be uncomfortable and and lack of regulation on chemicals so sometimes issues with that as well but also this disposal issue so on so many levels not really very often the best solution so tell me what the days for girls solution looks like this will be tricky doing it verbally so <laughs> <laughs> so days for girls kit was designed with through 29 iterations. Wow. We got 29 times we got to fail forward. We learned by listening to them that this pad needed to wash with very little water, needed Mm. to dry quickly, needed to be able to not look like a pad. So how do you make a pad not look like a pad? The (laughs) answer is that we made something we call a shield, which protects their clothing. This almost looks like a pad with wings, kind of like an elongated X from a red mm-hmm. cross. And then mm-hmm. the wings snap around their underclothing and have a moisture barrier on the inside and pockets on the end to hold the liners, which are absorbent. These soft absorbent liners look like a handkerchief. They're square and they fold so that when you fold them in and three, you get six layers of double absorbency in the middle, but only three in the ends. You can stack one or two or three to adjust to her flow needs. And you can also make sure that when you're ready to wash them, they wash very easily and they dry as one flat, wider surface. So they dry quickly. They can, they get for a Supreme kit, they get eight liners. They get two of these shields. They get two pair of underwear. They get rinse bag or transport bag to put their things into. And then all of this goes with a bar of soap, a washcloth, and a menstrual care chart, as well as a, a um, all in a drawstring bag. So she, it's a colorful backpack that she can carry it back and forth to school. And interestingly, they usually carry them back and forth every day. Wow. Well, that makes sense because then it doesn't really draw attention to like, oh, what's that thing that you have once a month or whatever? It's kind of just their their bag that they always have. And I love that you said you listened to them and they really kind of were the direction for the changes that you needed to make. So that's really, really neat. And how many countries are you guys in right now? 141 nations on six continents. Wow. That really is so cool. Does this just surpass your wildest dreams or did you hope to just go as far and wide as possible from the very beginning? You know, I would say at the very beginning, I didn't realize any place outside that orphanage had this. Honestly, it stunned me enough that they had it there. And what happened is when I got home, people kept saying, that can't be real in 2008. People don't go without and sit on cardboard. And and then I'd say, well, ask people you know. And then so they go to their friend that has a project in India and then that person, and then they come back and say, they need it too. How do we do this? And, yeah. and by word of mouth, more and more people started asking and showing up and phenomenal effort because a Days for Girls kit isn't easy to make. It isn't. It takes three hours, up to three hours to make this whole thing and a, a real labor of love. And thank goodness they're proving to last two to five years. So, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's That's really it. wonderful. But I yeah. never, very early on, we were talking about what our final outcome should be in strategic planning. And I said, well, I think it should be every girl everywhere. I hadn't thought of period. Our tagline is every girl everywhere, period. 
<laughs> and she said, that's not a measurable outcome. And <laughs> But in truth, it occurred to me that all we really needed was education that worked for them and was appropriate. Our education has been vetted by professionals, informed by those we serve, more than 70 adjustments to make sure it suited their needs. And then you know how much the PAD system has been through. And in fact, there's a patent on it. And so I would say really all this is, is knowledge and resources that work and then scale that. So today, part of that scale are enterprises that are out there, women like Alice, women like Maya in Nepal, women like Carrie Ann in the Philippines who make Days for Girls kits where they are and women there are given work doing this and then NGOs and individuals buy them from them and then they just keep doing it. That's really cool. Really just so amazing to see how many people you've been able to affect. I want to jump back to something you mentioned at the very beginning of the interview. You said that sometimes women that are incarcerated have issues with being able to have access to supplies. I didn't realize that that was something. Are you talking about people in the U.S.? Yes, all over the world. All over the world. This is an issue. Kind of the last we think of. and. Here, they're given limited supplies in most places. In New York City, they were explaining that the girls and women incarcerated there, they have to ask for the pets. So they may have a male guard and they have to say, excuse me, can I have another pet, please? Which is so humiliating. And Totally. But it's also limited access at all. So one woman told me just a couple of weeks ago that she had to ask her grandmother to send money so she could buy them because she just didn't have what she needed for pets. And, and that's how she got through. So what if you don't have a grandma that can fund that for you? Right. Wow. So, I mean, I would imagine that they probably have limited access to communication or to telling someone I need help. How do you find women who are incarcerated who need that help? People like you help us get the word out. And then people reach out to us who know of a prison that has this need, know of someone that has this need. And it's really that that allows us to reach more. We do have individuals who are part of chapters and teams who also reach out directly and say, is there any help we can give? Here in Washington state where I live, we have one prison group that sews days for girls kits and they make sure people have access to it, but they also send them away to others, which is so restorative to be able to Mm -hmm give in that way. We also have a men's sewing group here in Washington who sew Days for Girls kits as part of their sewing group. And, and cool. it, it really is. It's, it's wonderful to see the full circle of benefits, not only to those we're able to reach and connect with, but also to those doing this, how it helps those who have depression and helps those who have different kinds of challenges know that there's something they can do. Yeah. And that it's just helping change. I would imagine too, once you change one girl and her life, then it's probably just going to have a trickle down effect and affect all kinds of generations after that too, you know, because that girl can say to her children, there's a better way to do this than the way I did it before I knew and the way my mom and my grandma and so many other women did it before, you know. You're so right. So, You're and so I mean, right. this is 
This is an old problem. If you're a Bible reader like I am, there's, you know, there's a story in the Bible about the woman with the issue of blood. Like that's, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about here, right? That she felt unclean. And anyway, that yeah. whole story, I mean, this is a long, long time coming to find a solution for that will change the lives for so many women. So I just think what you guys do is so beautiful, so amazing. What's your short-term goal? What do you hope to achieve like in the next year or something that you're looking forward to that you can share with us? We're right now working with a lot of governments who are making a washable standard. So this means that they can set a standard. They have to work this well. They have Mm -hmm. to be this clean. And we are one of just two that have passed the first one outside of the US and UK and such based in Uganda. One of two groups that have passed this standard. And now Kenya is looking at a standard. South Africa is looking at a standard, hoping that Nepal can start looking at a standard. What this means is that some governments can start choosing washable instead of single-use pads when they're trying to fund initiatives that they can join in the power of reaching more and more girls and women in their communities. And this is a really important part of what I see next. In addition to, we're seeing another wonderful development, the government of Cambodia, both the Ministry of Education and Ministry of Health are right now uh, working to incorporate Days for Girls curriculum into their national health curriculum. Wow, that's so cool. What's great about that is more and more uh, governments are starting to talk about this as truly important to add in. Now, many of them have things. What's unique about Days for Girls curriculum, it's very interactive. It's Mm -hmm. very much about the joy of talking about this and how amazing their bodies are. And there's no barriers of saying something that would make them feel like they can't talk about this. So Teachers that have been uncomfortable to take this in and said, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Our goal is to help them be able to feel comfortable and even want to talk about this. So our pilot is in December for Cambodia, and we have several other governments waiting and watching to see how that goes. So truly exciting. And and I'd say those are the big developments right now. Mm, that's so cool. And it is very interesting how in some of these developing countries, a lot of these governments or leaders will kind of sit back and watch what happens with other people. And then if they like how something happens, they'll pattern that after, you know, the success of others. So it really can just be such a a far reaching effect when things go well and when change happens in a positive way. I'm just so impressed with Cambodians. Cambodia's leaders and their desire to make sure that happens. I'm just really impressed by their leaders and the desire to step up in a bigger way before even tragedies happen. About six weeks ago, I got a call from Anita in Bomei, Kenya. And she said, Celeste, I've just returned from a school. And I was excited because she doesn't usually call me. And I said, what? Oh, this is going to be good news. She said, I've been called in and there, there's a young girl who, who has just died. And I said, really? What happened? And she said that she had been shamed by her teacher and called dirty in class when she, very similar to Alice, she wouldn't stand. And she ran home and her mother said, here, take this water can and a rope to lower it into the river 
I have to go take care of your sister. Just get yourself cleaned up and back to school. And Jacqueline was found hanging with the ferry rope she was supposed to go get water with. And that community that hasn't wanted to talk about this was so grieved and so angry uh, that they have truly rallied to start talking about Anita, an ambassador of women's health there in that county that has an enterprise there, was able to immediately respond and comfort them and tell them that we can teach everybody about this. And they started a campaign called the Red Line Campaign that we're drawing a red line. No more lost days, no more lost dignity, no more lost lives because of something so connected to us all. That day, I was just so grateful there was Anita right there to go to them. I'm I'm so grateful that we're all standing together so that this is something that can end and that there is hope that this doesn't have to happen anymore. And I'm so grateful that I was asking for an answer for how to be people. And along with that answer came a question, have you asked and truly honored to be part of this movement that I never, ever would have dreamt of or, or imagined would be part of my life. And the, the people I've met and the things I've been privileged to be part of are just phenomenal. It just amazes me what happens when you're willing to say, tell me what you want. I'll do it. Thank you for sharing that. And I agree with you. It really is so incredible when you, you know, ask and are willing to be led to those things that that matter most, you know. So I'm so grateful too that you were willing to do that and to be brave and to walk into a, you know, kind of unknown territory and do things that nobody else had done before. And for how many lives this is changing, it's just really, it's remarkable. And it's something that I'm just so anxious to be more involved in and help with more. And let's talk about that now, about how we're going to do something together really cool. And on Tuesday, the 26th in Utah, we're partnering with PMD, who I've worked with for several years. They are a global beauty company and their motto is a brilliant confidence. So they really care about women feeling confident about themselves, feeling confident about their skin, which is why they have all these skincare products. And I really believe that skincare is something that, you know, really, if you have skin that you feel confident in, that's, it's kind of like, it's the first thing people see. It's something that I feel like, you know, a lot of people struggle with. And once they can overcome that, they can really just feel so much more confident. And so they were very much aligned when I told them about Days for Girls and the mission that you guys have. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring together women. I told my audience about this. Bring your sisters, bring your friends, bring your mom, bring your mother-in-law, bring your daughters, anyone eight and above, and you know, come just have this night of service. And we're walking into the best time of year, I feel like, when people's hearts are more open to giving and to doing things that are meaningful and to providing meaningful service for others. And so I'm just so excited. This is going to be such a great event to be able to give people an actual real way to use their hands, use their voices, use even if they have a hundred people on social media that follow them to hopefully have a little bit of a ripple effect and tell this story and talk about Days for Girls or tag you guys and get a little bit more awareness out there and then also use an hour and a half of their time. And everyone's time is, you know, so precious. It's like the most 
precious thing you can ask people to give up is their time, but give up, you know, an hour and a half of their time on a Tuesday evening to come help put some kids together. So I'm really, really excited about it and excited that we have this opportunity to, you know, get together and hopefully just begin doing some, a whole lot of good. That's so, fabulous. Oh, tell them hello yeah. for me and thank you. I will. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about it. I want to ask you if there's like, because I feel like people resonate so well with stories. Is there a story that you could tell me of a girl who you saw a, a change, like a transformation once she had this in her life? One of my favorites, we were in Zimbabwe. It had been a really rough road to get there. It took far longer than we thought. We were going to instruct 200 girls how to make their own. We were out of time because of how long it took to get there. We were only able to train 75 and now they're all peeking in the windows and doors, watching the ones in there going, me, me. And that's so heartbreaking. And so we left the fabric as token that we will return. Here it is. Someone will return to help you. And then when they got back four months later, they were told the fabric was gone. And they said, where? And they said, well, someone made them into these kits for everyone. And it's like, who could do that? This isn't easy, right? And they directed the volunteers that were there to 12-year-old Gotsu. She's standing there in her pink striped shirt. And when they asked, you know, how did you do that? How did you remember? And how do you feel? She said, I am no longer an orphan. I am a leader of women. That's the power of passing this on and giving people their days back as well as their voice and confidence. 12 years old. Did I hear that right? 12. Yeah. I mean, what a way to start a leadership for someone who probably is going to do some really cool things in her life. But what a cool story. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. I'm blown away by that. That's so cool. Well, I have one last question that I always like to ask people. And this is the question I have for you. If there's one message that you want people to remember from this interview, what do you want that one message to be? If we trust the Lord and let our lives be in his hands, the places we go are far more than we could ever dream. The very experiences we have throughout our lives prepare us for things we can't even imagine yet. The hardships, the joys, all of it can be transformed to far greater things if we're willing and if we trust. And if we ask, I love that so much. And I'm just crying because I feel that too. I I believe it with, you know, all of my heart in my bones. I really believe that too, so strongly that, you know, the Lord will lead you into paths much better than what you would have thought up on your own. So thank you so much, Celeste, for sharing all these just really inspiring stories with us and the the really important mission of Days for Girls. And I'm so excited to be able to personally, hands-on in a meaningful way, help and bring a bunch of women together to help with this. And if anyone's listening and you want to buy a ticket, it's, I think, just $10 per ticket. If anyone wants to buy a ticket and 100% of the proceeds will go to Days for Girls, which is so cool. So we're going to raise some money and do some good all at once. If you want to buy a ticket, we will have a link in the show notes. So you can go to the show notes. Or if you're listening to this and you need a URL to go to, you can go to mintarrow.com slash podcast and click on this episode. And we will have a place there where you can sign up. Or if you're listening to 
this after the event. We will also have a place where you can donate there or find more ways. So Celeste, how can, if someone's listening to this and they don't live in Utah, they can't go to the event that we're having in just a little over a week. How can they get involved? How can they find you guys and help spread awareness or be involved in their own community? Find us on the web at daysforgirls.org. And that also works for social media, Days for Girls. You can find us, join us, watch the wonderful videos, contribute so we can reach more, come volunteer. There's just so many ways you can help and not all of them are sewing. Some of them are using many other talents and we will welcome you to helping this happen. Awesome, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and for sharing all of this with us. I've enjoyed it very much, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.